Hello again, and welcome to the Borderline Genius Podcast. My name is Chet Sandberg. And I'm Nora McKinney. I'm a nurse who doesn't want to be a nurse anymore. And I'm a researcher who doesn't want to be in academia anymore. So what do we want to be? I always wanted to be a baker. Don't listen to her. She's a writer. Okay, we're writers, and Borderline Genius is a podcast for writers. Because the world needs another one of those. But this one's different. It's Borderline Genius because he's borderline. And she's a genius. I'm not really a genius. Whatever. Join us as we discuss what we love and hate about writing, writers, writing community, and everything else. It's Borderline Genius. So, welcome to the Borderline Genius Podcast. Today we have... uh, Sasha Ratana. Sasha Ratina, who is a memoir writer. Uh, we're going to learn a little bit about um, what memoirs are and who they're for and um, what the process is for writing one. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, um, I wanted to, to invite Sasha because I've read her memoir and I enjoyed it. And do you want to tell us a bit about it when it's coming out? Um... Well, uh, all technical difficulties you know, aside, I'm hoping to have it released by next week. I have August 31st as the release date. Oh, wow. Oh, so this is, this is two days ago, <laughs> actually, because two. this is coming out on August uh, 3rd, I think. Is it next? Um, Right. Thursday. So it should be within the first couple of days. That's interesting. What's yeah, the name of the nice. What's the name of the memoir? It's called "Looking for the Entersign," and it is the story of my family's refugee and immigration journey from Soviet Russia to Boston, Massachusetts. Looking for the Entersign. Entersign. Okay, and you're writing under Alexandra Ratana, which is actually my full name. Uh-huh. Um, if awesome. anybody knows Russian, and I think German as well. Um, Sasha is actually short for Alexandra yes. in those languages. So I mean, I yes, I know an Alexander who. who I it's the same. Sasha. It's a unisex yes. name. Okay, that explains it for me now too. Because yeah, okay. But it's a unisex name like Alex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of uh, a lot of sort of Russian Alexanders and Alexandras reverted to Alex, but I never wanted to, and so mm-hmm. now I'm stuck explaining for my whole entire life how you get Sasha out of Alexandra. <laughs> but there it is. Mm. Well, it is Russian. Okay. Russian, is, Russian is a difficult language. <laughs> yeah. I can kind I, of read Russian because the oh. letters are very similar to Greek. It's funny because I, I can't read Greek means. at all. Hmm? I can't read Greek at all. Well, it's a little bit similar. I mean, yeah. So one of the things we'd like to ask, because uh, this is something I didn't even really know about, and that is uh, the difference between like writing an autobiography um, and writing a memoir. What is the, what's the difference? So, um, yeah, so I, so when I started out writing, I thought memoir was like a really loud word. I thought, you know, important people wrote memoirs, you know, people that have had a lot of experience, people that have had mm-hmm. a rich and exciting life. Those people deserve to write a memoir. I was just writing stories. But when I started looking into it, this is what I found out. A memoir, anyone can write a memoir if they've had any kind of experience that they want to share. Um, people do use autobiography and memoir interchangeably, but strictly speaking, an autobiography is like, if I was going to sit down and tell you all the details of my life, I was born in this year in this place. And then my family lived here and this, that's what that was like. And then from there we moved there and that's what that was like, et cetera, et cetera. That's an autobiography. It's more of a factual account. Doesn't mean it's not interesting. You know, it gives you an idea of the person's entire life versus a memoir, which focuses on. Uh, a specific either time period, aspect, or experience of their life. So, you know, a person has one autobiography, they can have 50 million memoirs as long as they mm-hmm. keep having interesting experiences, right? So, Do you think, yeah, thank you for this. This clears up a lot for me. Do you think that a memoir um, is focused a little bit more on the subjective experience? Because this, is always, this has always been my impression. Yes, I, I think the trick to writing a memoir that's going to be interesting to read is to take whatever happened in real life to take truth, you know, and then make it into a story or find the story within it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so you you take what happened and within that you have to find your arcs, your story, your beginning, middle and end, and then also impart some sort of sensory experience for your reader too. 
Well, that goes into some a question I had for you later about that. So it's good that you brought that up now because uh, uh, well, I, I wanted to get to that something a little bit long later about how that how the structure mm -hmm. of a memoir works because that's what fascinates me. I never really, to the extent that I've read memoirs, I have never truly never like it's so funny as like an editor. Pretty much every other sort of uh, uh, storytelling, I'm, I'm looking at what the how it works, and it never really occurred to me for whatever reason to look at memoir and see if there's a if there's a way that it works that uh, that uh, a certain standard way that people write them. Uh, I don't think there is. I mean, aside from the usual, you know, you know, structure that you want to apply to any storytelling to keep your readers interested. I don't think that there's any particular genre rule. You know, people write memoirs in all sorts of forms. And I bet that you've probably read some memoirs that you didn't think were memoirs. I think mm, I think too, yeah. I think a lot of things fall into the memoir category that you wouldn't think. For example, I don't know, David Sedaris, who is a, an essayist. Right, but and, all uh -huh. all of his all of his essay collections are really memoirs because he's talking about various experiences in his life. How does something okay. like uh, how does something like uh, a heartbreaking work of staggering genius come in? Then is that more of a memoir? Or is that more of a? I don't think I've read that. Oh, I think it's Eggers. I can't remember what his name is. It was it was popular about twenty years ago. So um, that's how out of Dave touch Eggers. It. It's a memoir yeah. by Dave Eggers released in two thousand. It chronicles his stewardship of his younger brother Christopher Eggers yes. following his cancer related yeah. the cancer related death uh, so it is a memoir okay so memoir. I have read it yeah I mean Wikipedia has it done as a memoir yeah now I'm very um, I have many questions um, Sasha's explanations uh, and you're right I never would have thought of that you know I've probably yeah. read it in the title but I never would have thought when I was reading it that it was a memoir because it's so uh, it's so uh, well, it goes off on weird tangents at and, places, and it it's and very uh, yeah. Um, okay, I have I have weird tangents. That's that's good because that's I true. I was thinking I was writing two memoirs right now, but I really don't have a story arc. Although I was thinking about it today, and it it's kind of in there, but it's a little bit it's a little bit deeper than you would think. But you you can find it if you look for it. But with any story, you know it. There's various, there's different reading experiences, right, for the reader, yeah. and mm -hmm. any it doesn't mean that any one of them is more or less valid than another. Well, um, there are some that are easier to follow for sure. That's true. It's, it's funny. I, I keep putting posting this stuff on Twitter about I'm trying, I'm desperately trying to get through um, through a book that is very difficult. To, it's a very well known, difficult book to read, and uh, Gravity, some Gravity's Rainbow. Yeah, but some people have said just don't even bother looking Which for book? Gravity's Rainbow by oh. Pinchot. Uh -huh. um, okay. um, it's it's known to be like James Joyce's um, uh, Ulysses. Ulysses. Yeah, yeah. Right. I should get a guidebook for it. But what's funny is like, it doesn't matter. All I'm saying is that like, there are a lot of people that bounce off that book because it has no narrative. It, it doesn't have very much linearity. It has a lot mm -hmm. of of whatever. So mm -hmm. I, it seems like there's got to be like a, a spectrum of. I'll bet you there are there's some memoirs that go. That I'll bet you some people write them pretty much like they would write. They would plot a normal. Not a normal, I'm sorry, but a uh, fiction, fictional, a tr fully uh -huh. fictional novel. And then there are some people that probably write experimental memoirs that are like bizarre. I mean, there are, there. I'm sure, and there are kind of limits to both ways of writing, right? I mean, fiction, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. some people say they find fiction uh, liberating because they can make anything they want happen. I, I did work on a fiction novel and I found that harder because then I had to, I had to follow the characters and also kind of like figure out where they were going to go next whereas in the in the memoir I already know what happens yeah but on okay. the other hand you're also restricted because one of the things that we were going to talk about later is the truth contract right if you're writing a memoir um, you are kind of making a contract with your reader that what you're telling them is what happened and you're See, that's so interesting Sasha because exactly as you as you said I fiction is somehow simpler because when I try to write about the things that happen in my life, it's so jumbled and complicated and I don't know what's going on in my head and outside that I find myself, you know, find, having so much difficulty disentangling. Yeah. Let's something, I mean, there are storylines, but I just, I just can't. It's impossible for me. So, so you are touching on a really interesting thing because there's also such a thing, which I just learned about recently as, as auto fiction which is not memoir, not autobiography, but it's like mm -hmm. fiction that's based on your life that's almost like like a veiled memoir. Like if you guys have ever read My Brilliant Friend. That's uh, called Romana Clef, actually, too. It's, yeah. uh, it's Story with a Key. 
yeah. Um, this is what you always tell me, Chad. Yeah, you just change the names, change the names. Uh, in a, a classic Romana Cleft, they actually publish the, the, like they would publish the key elsewhere and you could match the key to the story. You don't actually have to put out the key if it's pretty obvious to most of the people around you, but it's a way of like writing. You know, Woody Allen uh-huh. did a little bit of it sometimes. Nora Ephron uh, did it with her novel Heartburn. Yeah, uh, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is, by the way, a great novel. And if anybody likes audiobooks, it's performed by Meryl Streep, and she's just absolutely Ooh. phenomenal. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. I do like audiobooks. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a auto fiction or a Ramona Clef of her, her mm. divorce. Um, so, so my second book that I was working on is that, and I found that I was having an ex- the exact same problem as you were, Miana, um, mm. is that I, I, you know, there was so much detail that I had trouble teasing out the narrative and how I wanted to get away from the truth, what happened and fictionalize the novel because everything was so jumbled and every detail to me seemed important, but how do you make a story out of that? Right. That was very hard. It was easier to write this memoir because I knew exactly. So first of all, it happened, Exactly. it it happened a long time ago. And so as time goes on, you know, details fade away and, and the more main narrative kind of stands out to you more. But also, the reason why I wanted to write it is because, you know, there's a lot of emigre lit and a lot of, like, sort of post-Soviet emigre lit that happened in the late mm. 70s, early 80s, like Gary Steingart comes to mind and a lot of yeah. sort of immigrant writers. But I felt like, where where were my my generation, like the early 90s? Where'd they go? And I think are you, gen, are you Gen X or Millennial? I'm, I, I guess I'm an Xennial. I was born, oh, in, I was born in 78. So technically, no, you're, you're still X, yeah. Am barely, I X? I'm like there. the younger X. Me too. I'm 74, so I've only got four years on you, and I'm X. Like, it's just a very different experience. The way the internet came, and maybe yes. even being, maybe even being an, uh, an uh, uh, immigrating, it's possible right. that so, you had some more experiences that were more like mine, where the internet came late. And the internet like, came right as I was starting college, I think. That was yeah. my first email account was when I was a freshman in college. And there's some things that people don't think about the difference between the generations. One is that my, my generation, our generation, was the last generation where men came to sexual maturity without ubiquitous pornography everywhere. That's true. And that makes a huge difference, I've noticed. Really funny if I'm dating younger women. It makes a big difference. Or like if, uh, if I'm just sharing experiences with people who are either in the Z generation or in the millennial generation. Just a very different set of of uh exposures just you know that's that's not oh like it depends it depends right because Mm -hmm. first of all it's not like that in in the whole world like uh, where i come from things came later Uh so you have a lot of people like me who are zinnias or even millennials who actually Uh didn't grow up like this that makes sense and um i have a friend who didn't have like internet at his home until he's a millennial right and until he was like over 20 so um so that would be more like me happens i suppose like it's not i don't think every senior or you know early millennial um grew up like that just because like we didn't all live in america or in you know right. or <laughs> like yeah i know i get you you know i talked to, to uh, i talked to steph and she was she's a zenial where she's early 80s but she they were a very wired internet ready home and so she was on the internet it, it varies. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah. not, it's not always like that. Like we, I, I, I pushed for these things, but the internet came to my house. It was like ninety eight or something. That was me. That was when I got it. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, it was so. like ninety six, ninety seven for us. Like I remember being in college mm-hmm. and like you know if if somebody on your hall had a computer with a printer in their room, that was like huge because it meant you yeah, could exactly, you, yeah. you could like use their printer. You didn't have to go to the computer lab. That was a thing. And even when I got to medical school. Um, my first year, they were still posting grades on the wall. Yeah, okay. They I mean, yeah. still do that in Greece. That's yes. so funny. Okay, so when I went to college, I mean, it was 93, and there was one person that had a computer. There was zero internet. But there was one person that had a computer because they were just getting into digital art and digital comic book creation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was the same kind of idea where... It's like, you know, you had to go to the computer lab, check your inter- check your email. Like, I remember having no idea how email worked, and my somebody had to help me set up an account, and it had like a... You know, da 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 dot da 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 dot da 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 dot edu like eight different different domains. It was yeah. like mm-hmm. you know you couldn't remember the address, didn't know how to use it. You had to go in through like a MS DOS thing. Do you remember that? Yeah, there's totally an Irwin, but there's a guy named Irwin on the internet that wrote something about that. Do you guys remember the Blade Runner thing where he says, "I've seen things you can never imagine"? Or yeah, like that. 
<laughs> right. He's like, I've I've seen Netscape with frames. I've Netscape seen, with uh, frames. Oh my god. <laughs> it was like all these things. Like he goes, time to die or whatever. But it was just really. I funny. mean, I had a rotary telephone. Who knows? Who uh, we had rotary too. telephones in Russia. <laughs> did too. Yeah. yeah, I had a rotary telephone growing up so, too out in the country. Seth, even though I'm younger than you, my experience is very similar just because things came to much later. And also because, like, Sasha, I remember I, I left, um, I graduated the Greek Athens University in 2006 and grades were, were still posted at, you know, at the wall. So, uh, in 2006, so, I mean, it depends on where you come from, I suppose. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, let's go back to the subject because, I mean, you wrote a very nice memoir. So so I I said, oh, I'm going to do it. I said, well, if all these other people can write, I can write too. I'm going to write this memoir. And I didn't call it a memoir. I just said, we have, my mom and I were talking and and kind of reminiscing about all the things that happened. And I said, we have so many crazy stories. Like, it's it's crazy for me that, you know, and there's got to be other people that have crazy stories. And how come no one's sharing them? The thing is, my, my crazy stories are not like the very ostensibly crazy stories. They are the, the very subtle crazy stories when you, when you, when you think, huh? <laughs> like, how? how? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's not like the, the, I don't know, like, the I was hiking on, on the Andes. And no, not like that. Happened. It's, it's like the, I, I was sitting on the balcony um, with a couple of friends and somebody started jerking off. And, what? Um, <laughs> And, and telling me and tell exa- telling me exactly how he fantasized about me, um, you know, having sex with me on his washing machine. That doesn't sound when that he crazy. was in his bathroom, like this this kind of story where you're like, how did this even happen to me? Like that doesn't that that doesn't sound that crazy. That sounds like a normal evening with some alcohol involved. Oh. Yeah, see, so that's 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 interesting. But you know, in America, this day is. Um, you, this would be like sexual harassment and depends who you hang out with, Joanna. Come hang out with yeah, us. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. This is things are a bit different these days than I remember from 20, 20 years ago. Depends who you hang out with. Like I said, <laughs> maybe we're weird. I don't yeah. know. Maybe, maybe we're, we're weird. Are weird. I mean, I'm we're also I'm also not that American either, so it's all right. I mean, I've I've said that story to people and they were like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like. This was me and my friends. Um, yeah. I expected this kind of behavior. And they're like, no, this is not okay. I mean, of course it's not okay, right? But I think you can gauge like what level of friendship you're at. And also, you, you know, you have to be open for somebody to tell you, hey, look, I really don't appreciate that. And then that's it. That's all there is to oh, it. Oh, we didn't have that back then. <laughs> we were too no. young to, oh, I know. To, to, to talk like that. We're like, oh, oh, okay. We just went with the flow, you know. <laughs> it was fine, I suppose. Still go with the flow. It's all good. I do go with the flow. I do that. Yeah, the flow doesn't go with me, but I, I go with it. Yeah. <laughs> so we wanted a, something but else. But you know, had. she talked about a point that we had written later on um, about um, who gets to write a memoir, which experiences yeah. are interesting enough. Yeah. You know, and we just uh, agreed that, you know, our experiences are interesting enough. So I, I guess think any maybe... experience can be made interesting enough, depending on how you write about it. Well, the yes, other thing is, because, you're not uh, likely no, to know. I'm actually writing a whole memoir about an, a thing that n- didn't happen. So um, I fully support. Yeah. To, to I think, know about this. I so think I that there are. I think there are infinite experiences, and I think even yeah. the most routine thing that everybody's been through, that everybody does, always has a new angle or a new way to look at it. And even if it's an old way to look at it, uh, you're going to find people that relate to it, to it. So if you, you know, I feel like yeah. anything can be written about. I think that's a key point because um, I, I posted um, some parts of this um, non-memoir <laughs> on Superfile. <laughs> and, pe- and people were like, oh my God, I relate so much. And even though it's like a, a boring thing that didn't happen, you know, it's, it's basically almost stream of consciousness about what what I'm thinking you could see like that that people enjoy um having their thoughts reflected back to them yes exactly which I didn't know exactly but it's 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 an it's an interesting thing yeah I think uh sometimes people that uh could qualify to write a memoir aren't going to be the people that I think it's very hard to contextualize your own experience as abnormal or strange until you get to a certain age actually i think it's really oh my god of course it is yeah it takes a little while before you go you know what Uh, it's funny because it took me recounting my experiences to to somebody close to me she was like holy fuck that is not 
that is really weird. Like, that's not... Really? My experience is the opposite. You always think you're the weird one, and you're doing something weird and abnormal, and then you find out everyone else is doing the same thing, or feeling the same thing, or thinking the same thing. Definitely. I mean, I have both, but... You've had both, yeah. I have, I have both these things. Like, it depends on, on, on the thing, right? It's, yeah. And on the person, of course. Some people are, f- are freaked out. Some people are like... Like, you know something? Um, like in academia, most of my... I feel that I am the dumbest of my friends and the l- least experienced because all of my friends have traveled around, ma- done postdocs, you know, abroad and in America and Australia. And, you know, I'm the only one who hasn't traveled overseas, right? And if I talk to a different group of people... They're like, what are you talking about? You've lived in three countries and you've visited so like the whole of Europe and wow, you have so many experiences. I'm like, I have nothing. Like all my friends have like double or three times the experience and the countries (laughs) that that like I have like it depends on who you 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 talk to, I suppose. Yeah. But that's interesting. I always think I'm the only one that's, you know, experiencing A, Y, A, B, or C and then talk to someone and turns out it's everything. Thinking about that, let's go back to then, then why do people read memoirs? So memoir readership, the, the fans of memoirs, why do you think they read them? Uh, I think people read them because they are always, well, I think a, a thinking, smart, intelligent person is always looking to experience something new or to learn about something new or to, you know, read about someone's story and see if they can relate to it, just like we were talking about now. Gotcha. And see another point of view, right? It's yeah, see another always. point of view. The other one of the other things that's become really popular lately, which I found, is what they call "woe, woe is me" memoir, um, okay. which is like, you know, you write about your miserable story and how you've prevailed, and I, I feel like a lot of people like to read that because it makes them feel better <laughs> that they're Gosh. not they don't have such a miserable story. But if you think about a lot of the memoirs that have come out lately, they've all been about really miserable things, like "Educated," mm. um, "The Glass Castle." Um, Angela's Ashes, even they they've all been really, you know, sad stories, which yeah. mine is not really. Um, but I think that's another interesting thing. People have lived through some terrible hardships and they want to put it out there and share that with the world and show them, mm-hmm. show the world that they've been able to live through that and, and get out of it. It's also so, inspirational, isn't it? It can be. Yeah. So that takes a little bit of craft to do that without being completely self-indulgent or unself-aware. Yes. To be able to do that, to write it and be like, okay, so I'm not telling a story that only I care about or like I'm not just telling, you know, I'm not. And I'm some not just- memoirs I've read before and have said, why do I care about this? Especially Superstar. Like uh, the other big popular thing now is that every person that's a celebrity oh my God. has to yeah. write a book. Everybody. And everybody, everybody has Right, something about the Trump's White House these days, like yeah. well, literally everybody. That's because we're like all really upset about what's going on, so... Um, but, but like, you know, every single actor, comedian, whoever is going to write a memoir eventually because people want to know what's behind the curtain and like their private life. But so so I I pick them up because people say, oh, say I read it and I'm like, why do I care about this? I don't care about this at all. The the one, the one memoir of a famous person I want to read is Born a Crime because, you know. Oh, I read that and it was, that was really good. Yeah, because it's like a half Swiss and, and half South African person. Oh, you have to you have to listen like, to it if you can, because he narrates yeah. it himself, and yeah. he he is obviously I'm, a great sh- comedian and voice actor. I'm, he's amazing, right? I'm, I'm sure I'm sure it will be great. He's it's an amazing writer, list. but also an amazing comedian and voice actor. So to hear him narrate yeah. his own work is great. I mm, loved yeah. it. I listened to it. They also have a children's version, by the way, where they cut out some of the racier oh. and like they oh, really? edit it so the kids can listen. It was great. Mm. Wow. Okay. okay. That's interesting. So you think that people, so like with him, you know, he had a, but he had a a story to tell. Look at all he had to tell. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I haven't read that one yet, so I don't know, but, um, that's a, so the, the, that, so we're talking about the the main reason. So it's kind of like a, woe is me? I know, I know I've seen the drug experiences. I've seen the mental health experiences. Yeah. The Um, homeless experiences that I grew up with abusive parents experiences, you know, but why do people look for that? I mean, because they've either had the same experience or they haven't, and they want to know what it's like. They want to, yeah. I think a lot, I think some of it is they want to feel better about their own life. Yeah. But it's, it depends on the person, right? I'm, I'm sure all of this is true for, for different people. Yeah. I what does I have, now, sorry, this is a completely different question, uh, but I didn't want to forget about it. Like, is a travelogue a kind of memoir or like a, a travel 
I think so. I think it's a whole section of memoir called travel memoirs, isn't it? Travel writing. I mean, travel writing, like, you know, travel writing, like documenting your trip and recommending restaurants is one thing, but a travel memoir. Yeah, because I was thinking of Bill Bryson who wrote an Yes, those are memoirs. I love Bill Bryson. By the way, this was so funny. Like, I love him. His memoir um, about his childhood, the, the life and times of the Thunderbolt kid, I was laughing out loud in my car. Yeah, I mean, I always laugh about his stuff, yes. Laughing out loud, it was great. So when I was writing, you know, I figured the way to, because obviously I have no formal training in writing or anything. Um, I wish I had time for that, but I just don't. So to learn how to do it, I listened and read a bunch of books that I, you know, to see how others have done it. And so there was a time in my life for like three or four years where I read nothing but nonfiction and narrative nonfiction and memoirs. And so, yeah, I ended up reading a lot of that stuff. And uh, what's that? You really dove into it. I tried. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always fascinated by people that say, I saw this before. They're like, well, I don't really read much, you know, but I want to be a writer. No, I don't know how that is. What does that mean? Oh, God. We can make enemies now, people, but I don't get this at all. I mean, you're you're telling me that there's writers writers out there that don't read much? What do you mean? Yes. They say they don't don't like to read, but they're going to write, yeah. No, yes, uh, like it's like not don't not liking you know chocolate and being a chocolatier, or you know, not liking sweets. Not listening, not liking listening to music, but then writing music. It doesn't make any sense. Yes, it makes zero sense to me. I think you yeah. have to read. You have to read everything, and you have to be a very critical reader in order to be able to be a writer. Yeah. Yep. Since I've been an editor, and, it's harder to read actually because. You know what? Since I've been edited. <laughs> It's been harder to it's been harder to read also. I, I can't is, I can't know, take I, any I book at face value that. anymore. Oh, okay. So I, I found I got over that because I have found my guilty pleasure. I just found it this week. I like reading bad fantasy books. <laughs> I I enjoy, like I couldn't I couldn't read like Now all of Twitter of, is gonna hate you because they all write fantasy. So hey now, no, hey now. they they do like me because they 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 feel that that I'm I'm going to be more lenient towards their book. Okay. See, um, yeah, I don't, all this shitty fantasy that came out in the seventies, eighties, nineties. Oh, that like sort of fantasy. That like, was like all shitty male power fantasy. Like I'm reading one right now where the author has to say everything twice. So like, why? Oh, she wouldn't have. I don't know why. <laughs> it's, just, it's a mystery to me. Like she wouldn't go back there. He knew. So he looked, he, he turned back and he found her. Oh, and by the way, she wouldn't go back there. And he knew she wouldn't go back oh, there. Oh, so I call, that, chew, my, I call like, that chewing it up six. for the reader. Like when you really like don't, you don't trust your reader to understand it the that, first time. Okay, so there's a lot of that in every, every author. So you say that. it, so you show it. And then just in case you say it, and then yeah. you say it again, just in case. And then, you have, guy, say, and then you have them say something expository, like, Did, just so you know, I would never go back there. Yeah, just but the, so you know. But the thing is, like, he, he repeats, like, the same sentence twice within one paragraph. It's not like he's saying it, like, I understand if you say three chapters down the line, because maybe somebody has forgotten it, okay, that, that's fine. But he actually repeats the same sentences, like, is he, I, and they're like, is he doing this for emphasis? And then I remember, okay, this is a shitty book. Let's just enjoy the shittiness of the book. Like, I, yeah. this is as why, long as why you I'm can enjoy it. that, I can't really. I find, you know, there's some people that On- once they start a book, they can't put it down. I'm the opposite. If I, yeah, if, yeah. if I don't click with a book, I'm like, life's too short. So I don't yeah. think I could deal with that. What you're describing, I understand you, but I only do I only do it with fantasy. Like I would leave okay. any book, but I, fantasy somehow, I somehow enjoy it. I don't know why it's my, it's my guilty pleasure. Some people have told me on Twitter that they do this with, 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 uh, romance. Yes. Like, with rom- you, you could, but even you romance, the, I can't read bad romance anymore. I, I even can't. thrillers, I, can I can't do it. I can't do it with romance at all because you you would have to hold a gun to my head to do this thing with romance. Like uh, I don't read normal romance in my good days, right? Yeah. <laughs> YA, I, I, YA, like, and I don't mean fantasy. I like YA little romance. YA novels are so hard to. We've talked about this before. They're so hard to read sometimes. Oh. I I don't. I just don't like if if I if I write in my books love stories, which I do, and you know I do, I just write them in a twisted, sick way. So this is this is the way it I happens. like it. So let's let's go to the next question. Why do we write memoirs? Did we talk about this? I think yes. We, did, yeah. we feel that others will relate to our experience while at the same time sharing with them information that we feel they'll value. I hope yeah. people will value my non-information, my non-memoir. Okay. Well, yeah. on an That's, emotional level. 
Yes. I wrote mine, like I said. And again, I feel really loud calling myself a memoirist and an author, you know, like, I don't know. We'll see if people like the book, maybe I'll feel better about it, but I feel like an imposter, you know, I'm no, I'm no expert, but um, like I said, I felt like nobody was telling these stories. And I said to my mom, I'm going to write them down. I'm going to write stories. So initially I was writing down stories, kind of like an oral history. And then when I went to an editor, the editor said, can you just call it what this is, that this is a memoir? They're not yeah. stories. They, they come together. There's an arc. You're heading somewhere. This is a memoir. And I've yeah. had to, mm -hmm. I had to get used to it. So now the stories are out there. And then once yeah. I wrote it, I found that there was a very, very similar book to this, but it's written from a boy's point of view by you mm -hmm. know, a more trained and professional author. And I was like, oh my God, people are going to think that I, I uh, plagiarized. Because the stories are so similar because, no, we all had a very similar trajectory. Okay. And I read it and, and I was like, you know what? No, because I was a girl. Um, my, you know, it's a completely different point of view. His family story is his and mine is mine. And yeah. there's value to yeah. both. Of course there is. Of course so. there is. I, I fully support that. And, uh, yeah. and I actually like the book, so, yeah. Good. So you've written a memoir, and you know a little bit about the genre. What are the challenges of writing a memoir? You talked about the truth contract. What's, what's the truth contract? So this the truth contract, I don't know if that's a, a real um, term or if this is something that I got from a book. So I read a book called The Art of Writing a Memoir by Mary Carr who was a great memoirist. She wrote a book named Lit and then another one named The Liar's Club and another mm -hmm. one named Cherry. I mean, she's great. I really liked her book. So I decided to read her sort of craft book. And she calls it the truth contract, which is you're writing a memoir um, and because you're calling it a memoir, whatever you describe has to be what happened. So like it has to have happened. You can't make okay. things up. That doesn't mean that you're not lending it your own point of view, your own filter, yeah. your own emotional angle. Doesn't mean that you're not going to exaggerate because memory is very subjective after all, right? So you're going to, you're going to, whatever you tell the, the reader is going to be what you remember. And there may be somebody and, that comes yeah. along and says, I don't remember it this way. And that's and valid. They can think like I find that my take on things is very different from others' take. Yes, I things, actually right? had my my biological father try to read it, and he didn't. I don't even think he finished it because he said it didn't happen this way. And I was like, All maybe right. for you, it happened this way for us. Um, and so what she was talking about is the very sort of fine line that you can sometimes walk, uh, be, you know, between sort of telling the truth and then telling what you remember as the truth. Yeah. And that's the, but what you can't do is make stuff up to make the story better. See, what I feel when I write uh, my memoir is that, like, I'm interpreting other people's actions and words. And, and that's I can be what, very that's wrong what about that. No, but that's what it's supposed to do. You're doing it, you're yeah. writing it from your and, point of view. And I'm, and I might be completely, utterly wrong because I have this, I have this blind spots, as, as Chet says, and I completely misunderstand things, right, Chet? Well, then that the other person can write a rebuttal, rebuttal memoir. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what... Oh, I, I'm not exactly sure which things you're talking about. She's saying she sees things a certain way, but then the same person in a different situation may not see them the same way. Yeah. They can write a rebuttal. Yeah. <laughs> that would be interesting. <laughs> Lord. That scares me. All right. I mean, don't I suppose I, I, I could write about the dead people, I guess. I don't know. Uh, they can't write rebuttals. No, that's true. <laughs> and they can't hurt you anymore. That's right. <laughs> so, um, okay. so yeah, so that's, that's, you know, you can't, you can't, like, if you think, oh, this is what happened in real life, but it would be such a much better story if this opposite thing happened. You can't do that. Yeah. That's not I didn't a memoir anymore. I even thought anymore. that was an option. Do people even do that? Well, know. then it's called auto, then it's called fiction. Ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> So then you, you wrote that one has to find the arc in in real events, which is might be a challenge, right? Because we we experience life as a continuum. Yes, you have to you have to define what your beginning is going to be and what your end is going to be. Mm -hmm. Then placing yourself in other people's events. How do you mean that? So um, you, I don't know if you remember, but there is a couple of stories or chapters in my book where I'm not even in them, even though it's my memoir. Mm. Right. Yeah. So I'm writing about things my parents did, 
there's one story that wasn't my parents. It wasn't me and my parents. It was my biological dad's story, but I placed myself in it because it was too valuable not to tell. Um, and so you kind of, you, you want to, um, like when you're not there, what gives you the right to tell those people's story? How do you know? How do you know what happened? Mm-hmm. And the trick is how do you write about that? I mean, I wrote about what my parents were doing because I, you know, talked to them extensively about it. And I wrote about it as sort of an observer because I was a and child. it was relevant to the story. That's the point, right? You can't write something else. Yeah, I don't think you can leave it story. out because it affects your story so much. And exactly. But how do you, if you weren't a witness to it, how do you write about it? Yeah, yeah. 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 So that that can be a little bit tricky. So I, you know, I I kind of placed myself as an observer and wrote kind of what I observed and it was based on I guess you could call them interviews but conversations with my parents and people that lived through it to try to help me remember what happened. All right. If that makes um, sense. I then actually, the, yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Then no, I mean, the, that makes sense. I just don't think I would have any, I don't think I would have any uh, reticence about some of the things I've heard about my grandparents or my father. I would just straight tell them. I probably yeah, would just tell, tell the them story. as like, like, this is the way it's been told. But yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. that's, that's kind of I mean, how it's, I... It's your, I mean, you, you relate, you know, you, you narrate your experience yeah. of what you were told, which makes also sense, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what the... So we talked about which details to include, which is tricky, be I guess, hard. because in our minds, everything is important, right? Yes. And like I told you, I think if I was going to, if I were going to go back over the memoir, I'd probably add more detail. I can't start that now because it'll turn into the never ending story. Right. But I would probably yeah. write it much differently now, five years later. Mm, <laughs> That's the okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've run across that myself, with, just with fiction. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Chet is going to rewrite everything he's ever written. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, my God. Just put it down. Okay. Put it down and step away from the manuscript. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let the, put the manuscript down slowly. Anyway. Yeah. Um, okay. What are composite characters? So composite characters. Um, so that's when you have um, several characters that kind of, or several people in your real life that kind of serve the same purpose. Um, and instead of introducing infinite characters into your story, you can have a composite character. So you have one person that has features of all of those other people. So that's... Okay, is this... But is this... Doesn't this contradict the, the truth contract? No. Okay. It's actually a trick that memoirists use to simplify their arc and their story. So you can have a... Okay. Let's say you had, I don't know, three school friends and it was a complicated, you know, relationship. But really what those three friends represent can be represented by one character. So you make a character mm. that represents those three people as a composite. Okay. Mm -hmm. Good. To simplify the I story. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. Yes. I would, I would be careful because I would think, oh my God, I'm, I'm lying. This is not true. No, yeah. actually, this is, this is uh, something you're allowed to do. You're also allowed to skip time. So yeah, that okay. means that, you know, you, you know, you, you feel like, but how can I move from point A to point B? There's three years in between or three months in between. Don't I have to tell and go through all of that? No, you don't. You, you're allowed to move back and forth between time if you want to. In yeah. order. Do you okay. just do you just summarize, or what do you do in order to make sure that you don't lose readers? You go to the next. Just, it depends. You, you go to the next right? val the next uh, point of your story, the next um, yeah. important point of your story, and you can summarize no, if important things. Happened. I wouldn't even think about this twice. I would just hobble. I mean, I just just mention what's relevant, right? Like you I, do I've in the lost, real. Like I've lost when I've tried to do time hopping in fiction, even just like by a day or two. People are like, "Wait, what?" You, I mean, you yeah. have to be what? clear. You have who, to be who clear. Who are those people? Have they read books ever? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. And I, I think about it was... one in five beta readers um, when I do time skips and I don't do just a little bit of a like. It so what happened later. during that day? They woke up. They ate breakfast. You well, know, just, they, they, just like they just sat saying, on the couch. Just saying, it was three days later when blah 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 or something like that. You know, whatever. But Sometime yeah, I, I, later. I with that. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe falling victim to the to the dumbest beta reader conundrum, but um, yeah, because your dumbest beta readers will have you completely. They'll have you write Dick and Jane. There are beta reader. Yeah, getting a good beta reader is really hard. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we can we can do a whole episode about Sasha's experience. Oh, beta about, reading. Oh, I don't want to. Oh wanna, my god. 
It's too bad about that. I'm sorry. I had a really good one. Because I mean, we I talked about this. Bad, but, because yeah. I was beta reading. I was beta reading. Um, you know, I got placed into a beta reading group uh, because I yeah. accidentally called my novel YA. So I got placed into YA. And of course, know. everybody that's writing YA is writing genre. They're all writing like dragons and fairies and, and you know, yeah. um, Shifter shifters. And so, <laughs> and I was just ripping my hair out because... It's not that I like I said, I think to be a writer, you have to read everything. You have to have an appreciation for everything, genre, literary, yes. different yes. kinds of genre. Like you can't just discount a whole genre because you don't like sure it. There's good and bad. Sure you yeah. can. Why not? I think there's good and bad in everything and you have to appreciate no, it. As, no, 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 no. <laughs> I think I, I, there is some good in everything. I will I could I will be fine never reading a horror novel. I would never need to read Well, one. I don't know. The Shining. No. Uh, Carrie? No, I like King, so that, yeah, that's not gonna happen. All like, right, well, I yeah. used to read like. Have you read like? Uh, I used to read horror when I was very, very young. I don't remember very much of it. I don't know if I would like it now, but I seem to. I, I never it. need to read erotica. I just don't have to. And like, I never need to read. Chat. I don't have to. <laughs> but listen, Chat. what I'm saying is, if you're gonna be a reader, uh, you have to realize that there are value. If even if it may not be your preferred type of reading, you have to realize that there are valuable books in every genre, and you can't just be like. Oh sure, all this. I, stuff. I just I don't have to read them. Is all I'm saying. No, yeah. of course, so, don't have to. I acknowledge that The Shining is an important yes. book for a lot of people. Yeah, but I what I'm saying is, is so I'm not bashing the you know dragons and fairies. But what I'm saying is, is I, you know. <laughs> well, the problem with dragons and fairy stories, and it's something I told to to UL Harper the uh, the other night, was. You know, something about fantasy is it's extremely externally oriented because. Yeah. Um, in those novels, you know, it's the fairies and the dragons that are interesting and not like the inner experience of what the hell is happening, which... But some, 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 some people do, do it. And I, and I will say yeah. again, Brandon Sanderson, who, who does this actually, who doesn't already uh -huh. for fantasy, right? Like for a fantasy writer, he has more interiority that you would, that you would expect. I mean, there's right? plenty. Ursula Le Guin, for one yeah. thing. China Mabel, yeah. Uh, Left-handed darkness, my God. I, I don't think I've ever read such a revolutionary book and it was in the 60s that it was written. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. What I'm saying is when you read the genre, uh, especially indie, you're going to find a lot of uh, uh, barely disguised travelogue with magical happenings. Yeah, exactly. You're yeah. not so, going to find... Oh, yeah, not, there's yeah, lots Tolkien, of I mean, But the point is, is that this, if this is what they're writing and this is what they're reading, then mm -hmm. when they take my book, which was all about like... Which and this is not the memoir we're talking about. We're talking about the oh. book I'm working on now. But oh. if you if you take my book and it's all about this poor girl who's going through a depressive episode, they're like, well, why doesn't she just buck up and jump on a dragon? <laughs> why doesn't she? Why why doesn't she do something about this? We're so mad at her because she just seems oh to be wallowing. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. but that's the whole point of this. Okay, let's I'm hopping. go on to your next challenge of writing a memoir. Um, you wrote that if you plot. Do you skip around in the events to keep the rhythm and pace moving? Uh, do you do it specifically to invoke the internal feelings of the memoir? Uh, I think that depends on the writer. Mm -hmm. But what did, did you, you do? This, did you this question chat? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I, I didn't write that one, did I write that so one? So I, I don't know. Personally, like I said, I started out writing writing down stories of specific things that I thought were crazy that happened to us. So the original chapter names were like, oh, the story about the visa, the story about like friends. Uh -huh. A story about this, and then, um, and then I decided to change that because it wasn't consistent throughout. But so I wanted to write these stories down, and as I was writing them down, I found that I was marching towards, like, a, an end, and that there was actually three parts to this memoir. Technically, you know, Russia, Vienna, Italy, four parts: Russia, Vienna, so Italy, just, Boston. You just realized it, or did it just kind of start to to? It to, came together that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So it sounds like all of your scenes and the and the stories within the within the memoir, they all seem to have like a narrative arc. So the narrative arc is we decided we wanted to come to, things are in chaos in, in Soviet Russia. Um, communism is falling or the totalitarian regime is falling. They're finally going to let some Jews out. Um, there's a huge migration out and my family decides to go. And then it's all the crazy stories about how we got our visa, how we went to the first refugee camp, the second refugee camp, how we ended up in Boston, culture shock, and then settling in. And that's gotcha. the end. I gotcha. mean, obviously that's not the end because, you know, my life goes on from there, but I had to pick an end. Yeah. So it sounds like it just, you follow the natural, the natural time and then you just skipped as, as you needed in order to get rid of the stuff that, yeah. that didn't need to be mentioned because it wasn't the interesting part of the story. Right. 
Because that's what I was wondering was like, you know, how do you, how do you incorporate flashback? How do you incorporate time skips? How do you incorporate? A I don't even like, know. What do you think, Joanna? I mean, um, I was told that I move non-linearly through the text. Uh-huh. To me, it didn't seem that way when I wrote it no, because it, I it didn't seem. Okay, now you're talking to somebody who is non-linear to the to the extent of uh, insanity, right? Like people are, are telling me, "What are you doing?" So I I found yours pretty well structured. So because but my then, idea don't was take my word for it. <laughs> my idea was is that I was I was not writing from the point of view of the eleven year old. I was writing from my current point of view. You know, as a as yes. a at the time, 35-year-old person looking back. And yes, I did fall into the 11-year-old eyes once in a while, but mainly I was writing as an adult. And so for me, it felt very linear because I was talking as myself now. And so sometimes yes. I would talk from the present, sometimes I would go back. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, but to me, it made sense. That I do go off on tangents here and there. I go off on of some course, yeah. theoretical yeah, tangents. This, this is what spices it up, like, uh, otherwise. Well, that's what makes it a memoir, not like a, just yeah. a... Just a... Yeah just a dry like this is what happened i I, I did a couple of where are they now moments for, for oh that's that's fine for characters nice. that kind of got left behind you know that we that's nice yeah. met mm-hmm. along the way i said oh this is what happened 10 years later when we saw them again gotcha. that sort of yeah thing. that's that's fine because this this all makes it interesting like i couldn't read something like this that's really strictly linear with with no oh god no i couldn't either flashbacks no nothing that would be an autobiography <laughs> Yeah, I want and I want those. Like, let's dive into the details of this weird, intense experience, and let's pull out, and then let's pull back in again. I, I mean, yeah. that's kind of what I look for when I look for that kind of story. Anyway, I mean, that, isn't that kind of the whole point? Is like, let's hover, and we'll find there's some stuff that's interesting, and then there's some stuff that's like, this was profoundly powerful, and I need to really mm. go into this, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's just that's a natural writer's instincts. I think you can pull that to. Mm. I think every writer is going to want to do that. I don't. I don't even know. Here's the thing that's interesting: is the more people I meet, the more I realize that some people can do it consciously and they're very, very self-conscious about the fact that they're doing it. And then some people just—that's the way they relate to text. That's the way that they that they yeah. put a story down just naturally. It's just a natural strength. Which is mm-hmm. well, do you think that you're details. more of the natural strength, or, or were you self-conscious about the parts that you picked to dive For into? For this particular book, I put it together. I was a pantser. Right. Yeah. I was not a planner. I just sat down and I wrote and then there was editing, re-editing, copying, pasting, including lots of revisions. It, yeah, lots of revisions. Inclu- it was professionally edited by a developmental editor twice because uh-huh. the, after the first go around, the book looked completely different. So I sent it back to her um, yeah. mm-hmm. for another edit. And still, I think I could edit more. <laughs> but yeah, like well, I said, yeah. I'll never finish. But That's... then for my for the second book, I I you know I got so confused. I almost left it because, like like Joanna said, it was so hard to tease out what I really needed to include. And yeah. um, in the end, somebody told me you should plan it. You know, don't be yeah. a pantser. If you're having so much trouble, you need, it's because you're having trouble with structure. You have a story, but you can't structure it. So come up mm-hmm. with a structure. And so I had yeah. to sit down and do it. And I think there's value to both ways of writing. Yeah. And yeah. I now can't call myself either a pantser or a planner because I don't know anymore. I'm definitely a planner, but I plan in my head. So this is why this is why I always thought I wasn't, but that's that's not I true. I thought I did. I thought I planned in my head, but I guess not and enough. I still I plotted this most recent thing I'm writing, and I still come up with this completely bizarre side story that I did not know was going to happen. Really? I I don't do that. <laughs> that never happens to you. Of course you do. No. No. Because I mean, I write. I mean, my my writing is rather you know basic there aren't many like it's like one story basically and maybe a little bit of another story. i don't I mean, know i'm trying to write a one story for your anthology and it just keeps getting longer and longer <laughs> I think that's I turn, fine it's gonna turn that's into fine. a novella before long huh. you're gonna have to do it as a separate uh, mm-hmm. maybe i probably could but i i'll try not to <laughs> The short story is an art form. I tried to cut back for short story, and I still end up writing the longest story. How long is your longest short story? It happens, people. Come on. I I mean, if you want to write a complete story, sometimes it does get a little bit And I had time jumps, too, so time jumps and back and forth and stuff. Of course. Location changes. Hmm. Probably a little bit more than you would want for a short story. (laughs) But yeah, that's interesting that you're doing the same thing. You're writing for a short story for the anthology, and it just keeps growing and growing and growing. 
Yeah. I think that if you're a novelist, it's, it's hard not to. I've, I've heard this before where, like, you know, people like Chandler were great at short story. They're great at that form, but they couldn't, they never moved to novels very well. Or people that write novels and they just can't write a short story because they can't compress their story and they can't simplify it. They can't. Well, it depends it. on the story, right? Like, I think, I mean, I think a short work. story can be really, it's a really impactful way to write yeah. if you can. Yeah. Just, it's, mm-hmm. I wish more people read them. That's the issue. So what's you the last, what's the last short story collection you read? <laughs> oh, oh, the one that I'm in. Yeah. Oh, so I just read and I'm rereading cause I decided to refresh my short story like mm. experience. I'm reading, um, if you think that I'll say it by Curtis Sittenfeld. Have you ever read it? No. Oh, she is so great. So I thought she was a man because of the name Curtis Sittenfeld. And I read these short mm. stories and I was like, what insightful stories about women. This man is so you know, his yeah. wife is so lucky. <laughs> and then it turns out it's a woman. And I was like, oh, of course. Yeah. But they're really great stories. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I got exposed to the form of stuff like um, Copeland's um, Poor Lights mm. from the Dead. And, um, oh, he's got another one that's uh, uh, Life After God. And then, you know, a few little experimental uh, short story. I mean, like, I got exposed through Chekhov. There's that. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Uh, but see, I didn't read many of the class. I didn't have a classical. I didn't get exposed to the things everybody's supposed to get exposed to. So my my experience with the classics is rather haphazard. Hmm. I don't think a lot of people in the U.S. read Chekhov, do they? Oh, I think <laughs> I go into a Russian literary the literature. Yeah, exactly. But my mom was a Russian literature teacher, yeah. and hmm. she's le- read probably sense. everything. So I have to read everything as well. And I'm still very underread. I think. I don't know how you not how you don't feel that way. Like it's hard. So much, right? I think it's just I don't know if anybody, unless you dedicate your life to reading, you know, if you want to do other stuff like writing or having a family or working. um, I am also very woefully underread. Or playing video games, whatever it is. I'm just I'm just kidding. But like, there's also some things that are like useless to read now. I feel like there's a time and there's a time and an age to read certain things, and once you pass it, then. What's the well, point? don't read Kerouac like when you feel over thirty. I, I heard you say that in the other episode yeah. of the of the podcast. Why oh, not? What's wrong with Kerouac now? Oh, he's just unbelievably self indulgent. He's incredibly uh, adolescent. So, he's, is this a thing? What was the time period when he wrote? Was it the sixties? So he, yeah, he wrote this novel. The novel got published, I believe, in the sixties or fifties, but he was writing about the forties. Oh, um, so it was the forties, and it, you know, it does have a youthful exuberance to it. It really is. Um, as he got older and wrote more, the thing you have to understand is that Kerouac being an alcoholic, um, he's very developmentally Stunted? stuck in a few places where you just are sympathetic to him when you're in your late teens and early twenties and less sympathetic as you've gotten older and gotten past that. And then there are some people that say, don't even try reading Moby Dick or Melville. Oh, so I, I live where Moby Dick was based on. Okay. Yeah which was New Bedford, Massachusetts. This is where I work, and I still haven't read. They have a Moby Dick reading once a year in New Bedford where people, like, read it out loud over the course of an evening. There's and, an audiobook, and i got to tell you, the audiobook is really well narrated. And, and I, so I still haven't read Moby Dick. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't finished it yet, but, yeah, I've heard it's an Me neither. I also started and haven't finished it, but I, I enjoyed it so far. So you know what I tried to start and couldn't finish is Frankenstein. Mary Shelley's oh, Frankenstein. Okay. Uh-huh. That makes sense. Because I oh, I was like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna read some of the female greats over the years, and I start reading it, and I got to the part where they buy a child, mm-hmm. and then I was like, okay, no, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. this is... what couldn't I finish? Uh, What's that? I will. I was trying to remember. There was a book. Um, what What was it? I I generally finish books. Well, there were some indie books I couldn't. Yeah. Finish. I will There's leave one a book author if I that don't. we always uh, talk about. Oh, you and I, Sasha, you know who she is. Um, yes. And oh. the book I couldn't finish. I couldn't oh, even I start. I couldn't even start. So at least just started. No, but there's books yeah, that I, I... I did start it. <laughs> there are books that I have not been able to finish just because I'm just... I can't... If Life's too short. Like, yeah, we said, like I said, I'm ha- under-read. I'd rather read stuff. But what I was, what I was asking as ah, to... Israeli. It was Israeli. I remember now. It was um, Benjamin Disraeli, Coningsby. No. I just couldn't... I, I, was, I will read it at some point, but it's so difficult if you don't understand the politics of the time. Oh, well. Because he, he, it was like a political novel, right? So okay, so reading that. Marx is like that too, because anytime you read Marx, um, even just for nonfiction, you kind of need a guy because he's talking about. This happens actually in um, 
totally different switch here, but this happens in Gravity's Rainbow too, where you need a guide. Same thing with Joyce Ulysses, because he makes allusions to things that happened or things that were, mm. yes. you know, Marx might make a Marx might make a make a an allusion to something where somebody put a newsletter up once that nobody remembered. Nobody put he, you know, somebody did like a like a like a an old fashioned. Mm. You print it and nail it to the door type thing, and and he references it. You have no idea what the fuck he's talking about unless you read it. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And 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 Gravity's Rainbow has all of the. Luckily, I've got enough weird historical <laughs> information about some of those times where I'm like, oh my god, I don't. But know that happens in understand. a lot of books. I feel like mm-hmm. I, I find myself googling yeah, what course. was going on at the time at that place all the time. I was reading yeah. Galsworthy, and um, you know he talks the state of the country after world war one in england and all these political debates and i'm like what i don't understand this yeah. because i need more background info and i find myself yeah, googling that's, that's true that's the same with israeli but it's 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 a fine balance it was the same thing i have no idea about british back. indian politics i had to yeah. google them yeah mm-hmm. that makes sense yeah. so do we want to um i mean we've we've talked about most of the last questions um do you plot a memoir we talked about that a little bit um, yeah what are some of the best memoirs you read? You have mentioned several to us, which I appreciate because I want to let delve into this right let now. Let me look. Um, I have my so, little Goodreads list and I can tell you more. So some people, I, I, I post this question on um, on Twitter and two memoirs stood out. People suggested um, Educated. Yes, Educated. And I've heard of that one. But Glass Castle, let me guess. Those were very popular. Tara Westover is educated so it's about how it's she about her rural upbringing she never went to school until she got to high school oh my god i remember okay i read a little bit about that like i just read the the, they say it's unbelievable yeah it looks like something i wanted to um there's certain things i can't read about even in memoir form uh Mm -hmm. the holocaust is one of them yeah Yeah, um child abuse and like harm to children is something that ever since i became a mom i even if i know the person prevailed and succeeded after sometimes it makes me so uncomfortable that I feel like oh, my yeah. mental health will suffer if I continue. So I've yeah, had to, this, this makes yeah. sense. This makes sense. So I wasn't sure if I should read, um, educated because of that. And the, the same for glass castle. I started the glass castle and I really wanted to read it, but, um, the crazy parents and what she was going through as a young child made me so uncomfortable that I had to put it down. I don't know mm-hmm. if that makes me, if that's the wrong uh, philosophy on there's, reading there's no wrong and right come on you you do what you feel like doing that's i might give is, it another shot when my mental health is better you know like right yeah. now it's just not a good i think everybody's destabilized oh, no, you, you, you must you must of course protect your mental health it's, it's important and the other one that was suggested to me by many people was angela's ashes which yes. again you probably won't like to read because again so i mentioned yeah. it though because it's mentioned in every single memoir craft book yeah. Um, so, so it's, I read, it's, a, it's a child going through hardship, right? Within in, yeah. in the Depression era, era uh, Brooklyn. So, yeah, from from Ireland, right? They're from Irish Ireland, yeah. So I read so, I read Lit by Mary Carr, Wild by Cheryl Strayed. I read I Feel Bad About My Neck by Nora Ephron, and then a bunch of other Nora Ephron memoirs. She's so delightful. I love her. Mm-hmm. Um, I read Running with Scissors, which is a memoir. You wouldn't think it's a memoir, but it is. I read a book called In Shock by a mm-hmm. fellow physician named Rana Oddish, who went in, through a near-death yeah, experience. Kind of in Shock, because she was in shock. She, was, uh, she almost died. Yeah, she had yeah. a horrific event happen to her and almost died, and she basically writes about her experience with that and how it has affected her practice as a physician. Mm-hmm. Very good book. I read wow. it in literally three hours and cried. And then wow. contacted her on Facebook and wanted to talk to her wow. about it. And she's just amazing. She teaches a physician sensitivity class. So I, I highly recommend this book. Yeah. Um, I read all of David Sedaris. I read Joan Didion's The Year of Magical Thinking about the death of her husband. I, wrote Bill, I read Bill Bryson. What mm. else? I read um, a bunch of other nonfiction books like Mary Roach. Do you know who she is? She's so interesting. Yeah. Oh, she wrote, um, she wrote this book about death and the, the other about sex. Yeah, I've read, I've read. She wrote so. Stiff, which is the first one I read about Stiff, her. Stiff, exactly. Yes, yeah. about the, the curious life of cadavers. So interesting. Yeah. Um, I read, what else did I read? After that is all fiction, I think. But there was more. I read um, a bunch of craft books as well, including Stephen King's craft book. You said you don't like Stephen King, Chet? Uh, I've read the craft book, but I don't like his writing. No. Did you like the craft book? It was okay. Uh, it was half memoir, half craft. Mm. And the other thing is that he is, um, 
he's got some good advice if you're a if you're a pantser you should be done within a season yeah to get the you know he's got his adverb thing although i think he goes a little bit too um hard on adverbs just because i think um i actually hate adverbs myself so i was with him on that i mean don't go don't go full jk rowling and write them everywhere but like <laughs> uh, they were a lot but, more popular before and more you know more accepted yeah they now, were very like a, a, a century ago they were like crazy popular that's true yeah. yeah um the thing about adverbs of course you know i mean everybody knows i i I don't have a strict cut adverb rule. I have a, for the love of God, don't put them in the dialogue tags or in the action tags. Like she whatever. said, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, don't do that. Oh yeah. my God, that's awful. That's so awful. Like she yeah. said, chillingly, or she said creepily or whatever. Show me that so that I can see Show it, it with don't. the words. The other thing I thought was a really good point is uh, don't use dialogue tags that are overly expressive. He growled, yeah. she, blah, blah. Yeah. Just, well, it, you, you know, can. Uh, I mean, all those things are relative, right? You can do it once, once in a while. Just don't overdo it. And the degree to to which you can overdo different things is different. Right? Yeah. Like some things you can overdo it even one, even if you mention them once. And some things, yeah, you can yeah. do the. You can you know, you can do them once or twice in a novel. It, yeah. it depends. It depends on the thing. Let's let's not generalize. That's true. But now this is the interesting part because you have a memoir out this week. Um, how do you market a memoir? How are you planning I have, to do this? Abs- this is my first book that I'm about to release, and so I you don't you know what I'm going to ask you. How do you market a book? I have no idea. I have no idea. I want somebody else to do it for me because I I couldn't I couldn't bother. <laughs> I wish Maybe I Rebecca knew. is going to come and and. She is. I wish I knew. Um, yeah. I you know my mom's going to read it, so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I have a, a blog and why not she said dot com that I you know somebody said oh you should mm. you should blog your writing journey and release you a, should release yes. an entry every week or so with a link to your blog and everyone to see it yeah. but then the people that are going to read that blog are the same people that already know that I'm releasing the book so I'm not sure um, yeah. I don't put it's a lot fine. of stock why not? I don't put a lot of stock in those like pay for review sites I feel like right. no, no. I don't yeah. put a lot of stock in well, I guess there's some value in sending your book out to various bloggers. Oh, you need to do an – well, I don't know about bloggers, but you should have an ARC team for sure. An ARC team? Um, an ARC team is an uh, advanced review copies. So it's probably so, too late for you now, but a couple weeks before I the book releases. I didn't even know about this. I can push back the release and do that well, instead. it's just for launch. Uh, it depends on how much how, – how, how, well, I mean ideally what you would do is you'd build up a newsletter – you find some people. You'd get some people into a into a group or something that you can call your your arc readers, so you can get them all in one place. And then you give them a free copy of the book uh, through something like Book Funnel. Oh. And they get to read it early, and then so that way, the day that you launch, you have reviews right off the bat. And the only idea is that they give you an honest review in exchange for a free copy of the book. And sometimes you have they have to say that in the review. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So I can still do that. Um, mm-hmm. Also, if you're self-publishing, though, the book copies are not you're, – you're basically buying it for the person, right? Because you don't get advanced advanced yeah. copies, right? What? What are you talking about? No, if you're – what? If you're no, self-publishing. You if you're self-publishing, you should be able to have a Kindle version of it. Oh, a Kindle version, yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Hard... Yeah, that's always – so it used to be paper, but now now with, with e-books, it's a kind, it's – a, it's, I'm sorry. It's an e-book version that you send to BookBub – or BookFunnel, I mean. BookFunnel? And then people can have either have the app BookFunnel. BookFunnel is just one of the better ways to do this, where you can even track who gets what. I had so no that, idea. So I'm I'm in a big book club, um, physician book club on Facebook. I could probably get them to be my art team in the next. But you want days. people that would be the target readers for your. They novel. are my target readers. People there who are people who are open minded and open to other cultures. Yeah, yeah. Find as many of those people as you can, so you have as many reviews on day one, and oh then. Um, seen by more people because if you get a lot of reviews on day one and you get a lot of activity with the book on day one um that ends up translating into amazon putting the book in front of more people that might that you don't know so i don't know how i'm gonna market this i might have to push the release back then and do what you say what else do you what other advice do you have chad well i've never done this this is just stuff that i know people do like i said you know you get a newsletter so that you've got people um you know, you put out a couple of newsletters talking about the upcoming book. You build a little bit of hypes. You've got a couple of people. My, uh, but I have a friend that he only puts his link to his newsletters in his books. So that if you bought – and he doesn't give away books. So if you buy a book, even just for 99 cents, if you buy a book, you're already kind of pre-selecting yourself. 
Okay. You've already demonstrated you'll spend money on him. And so if you join his newsletter as well, it's somebody who joined his newsletter who is uh, yeah. actually interested in his work. That means you're not wasting a lot of money on people in your newsletter that aren't really interested in. Yeah. Your, I, um, you know, I never thought that I would even get this far. I just was kind of writing as a labor of love. Yeah. Um, but now I've put so much work into it and also money with all the editing that I, yeah. I want, I want it out there. I don't actually expect to like have this be a major money maker for me, but it would be nice for to get people reading about it. Yeah. Or to make your money back too. <laughs> That'd be yeah. nice. Yes. So, so we'll be done. It's already been one more than an hour. I'm just having such a good time chatting with you guys. Yes. Aww. We can chat again. <laughs> or we can, you know. Yeah, so tell us again about um, the memoir. So it's called, coming out on the first of September, or what was it? It's supposed no. to be August thirty first. Um, oh, it's August. called "Looking for the Enter Sign" by Alexandra Ritana, and it's uh, the story of my family's journey from Saint Petersburg, Russia, to Boston, Massachusetts, mm -hmm. in nineteen eighty nine to nineteen ninety. Wow. Okay. So yeah, that's that's like my era too. That's interesting. Yes, like, I, I, I think of myself it, as a which teacher. I really do. You I rarely do, but you know, which yeah. I never do. With well, you've read it, yeah. yeah. You've read I've it. read it, and she's I read both it. of my books, right? And wouldn't you say I've the second both, one? And I endorse both of them. And I, I'd never like. I very rarely say it. Like I will talk about books, but I will not say. You know, oh, I, I endorse feel, it. I, feel... and I liked it, but I did like both of those, and I endorse them. Thank you. Yeah. Buy them, people. <laughs> yeah. Please. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> More for yes. my self-esteem than my wallet. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> you deserve it. You are one of those authors who underestimate their abilities. Yeah. Well, it's well, it's better to be one of those than the one that's. I would yes, agree. Yes, it is, isn't it? We we all know the examples. So next time we'll talk about uh, marketing. I think, isn't it, right, Chet? Do you have yeah, any marketing think... specialists? Because I will. I will. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. Well, at least somebody that that knows a little bit more about it than we do. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Okay. Shall we wrap it up? Yeah. Thank you for being with us. It was such a lively, nice chat. And Thank we you learned so a lot, I think. Yeah. From uh, It's yeah. like the, you know, the definitely from the you, I don't know yes. what I'm doing, and I'm telling you what I did, not knowing what I'm doing, and you also don't know what you're doing. It's perfect. Oh, yeah, yes. no, I don't. We I have no idea. Think. That's the fun. That's, that's, that's perfect, fun. yeah. Yes, amazing. Good. So join us next time on the Borderline Genius podcast where we talk about marketing. <laughs>